0: Good morning, church. This morning's reading is taken from 1 John chapter 2 and verses 15 to 17. And you can find that on page 1226 of the church Bibles. It's page 1226. On not loving the world. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, I'm Neil and uh, we're here this morning thinking about this. We believe that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the children of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's why we do this. That's why we look at the scriptures. That's why we look at God's word because it helps us to live our lives. And that's why we're looking at this letter, this very small letter that's right at the end of the Bible. We're looking at it because it's got lots of great teaching and advice on how to lead our lives. And in this passage that we're looking at today, this passage from 1 John 2, it says that there are two options and it makes it clear. But first, a bit more background about this letter ...that John has written, the structure of it and how it's written. And it's generally accepted that the letter is written in two halves. There's a, an introduction and a conclusion and between those there are two halves. And the two halves look at two main points. That God is light and God is love. So God is light runs from 1 John 1, 5 to 3:10, and then at chapter 3 verse 11... John is trying to teach us that God is love. And then we need to see that this letter is filled with opposites, a collision of opposites. That's how uh, the world is and that's how we should see the world. So there's light and dark, good and evil, truth and lies, love and hatred. All these opposites we have to weave our way through and make sure that we're on the right side, making good choices about how we live and what we do. And in the passage today, there's this choice about who we love. Yesterday, I was at a wedding, and at every wedding in church, there's a part, just as Nathan and Kiara, Nathaniel and Kiara are going to say at their wedding, there's a part where people say that forsaking all others, they will be faithful to one another as long as they both shall live. You see, in marriage, you choose what you're going to love, and you turn to that person you are going to love, and you commit to loving that person. And once you do that, you can't love just anyone else, because you're loving that person. What John's saying is we need to love God and commit to that. We can't go on loving the world if we love God. We've made a choice, and that choice has to stick. And then we need to see that this letter is not like most of the letters in the New Testament because most of the letters in the New Testament are written by St. Paul. And St. Paul has a very linear way of developing an argument. So he makes a point, he builds on it, and that leads to the next point, and he builds on that, and you get to the next point and then the conclusion. And so in Paul's letters, there's lots of very clear arguments that lead from one place to to an end point. But John's letter, this letter, works differently. John has just these two points, that God is love and God is light. And he uses lots of arguments, one on top of another, to make his point. So in a way, he's using words like waves that crash down on top of one another so that we get deeper and deeper into the truth. So he's just really saying two things and he says them again and again and he says them in lots of different ways. Each new section that starts as he writes, dear children or dear friends, is another example to help us to go deeper into the truth of these two points. In a way it's the difference between a traditional hymn that has six verses and you start at verse 1 and you go down to verse 6 A traditional hymn works like that, and we know that there's a passage through the hymn, and it makes a point. Um, So we sang Love Divine earlier on in the first service, and it starts with where love comes from, and it ends with us casting our crowns before him. That's sort of a linear way of doing things. But you can worship in other ways as well. When we worship, sometimes we repeat phrases. Or in a Teze chant, you just repeat the same phrase again and again and again, so that the point goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's what John is doing in this letter. He's trying to help us to see in different ways, on top of one another, what he's trying to get at. In a way, it's a bit like a jazz improvisation. You have themes and motifs, but they're playing the same tune over and over again, but it goes in all sorts of different directions. And the beauty is in the repetition that is unfolding and then working its way out into different places. That's how... John writes this letter. So in chapter 1, verse 7, he tells us that God is light, and because of his forgiveness, we can be led out of the darkness into the light. And then in chapter 2, verse 8, as we follow God's commands, we love God and we love one another, and the darkness is passing because we're moving into the light. And then in chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, John says, you can no longer hate one another and walk in the light. You have to make a choice. We can no longer stumble about in the darkness. We need to choose the light and follow the light. And as Rachel said last week, if we allow God's love to fill us, then we've got something to pass on to other people. Jesus gives us this choice. Love God or love the world. But you can't love both. It just doesn't work. You've got to choose one or the other. Love God or love the world. There are two kingdoms and they're at battle with one another. So we have to choose where we stand. Are we going to choose to stand with God or are we going to stand with the world? We must face one way or the other. Are we going to face towards God or face towards the world? Because the Bible teaches us that there are absolutes. This is how the universe is made. They're written into the fabric of our existence. Light and darkness, good and evil, love or hatred. And we make choices and we see one or other of those work out in our lives, in our relationships, in our community. This has been the basis of Western civilization, that it's had these Christian foundations. And we've chosen to to live and to work and to fight for love And not for hatred, to fight for light and for good, to defeat the forces of darkness. Do not love the world or anything in the world. This is good advice because the world is full of shifting sand and promises that fail to deliver, promises made by the superficial shiny stuff that only in the end robs us of our peace. It doesn't give us peace just leads us on to the next thing. We don't get peace that way. Being loved by God and loving God, that's what makes life work. This is the message that comes down to us through the New Testament. And so in these three verses, John is summing up another wave of his teaching before moving on to the next, that we must choose the light. We must choose to live in the light, to love God to move away from the darkness, to move away from the world. For what we love matters, because what we love determines our values and our priorities. And the Greek word for the world in this passage is the cosmos. It's where we get cosmopolitan from. A cosmopolitan person is a citizen of the world. Apparently, it's where you get cosmetics from, because they bring order to the chaos first thing in the morning. But I don't, I don't know about that. I, I don't have too much experience of that. So the cosmos is the ordered system of the world. But at its head, Jesus teaches, there is an evil one. The devil is at work in this world. And so in a way, the world is like the Matrix It's why the films like The Matrix have so much resonance within us. Because there is a battle going on between two kingdoms. And there is another world that's just there on the other side. And we know that there is a world that is messed up and broken and hurting. But again, there's also a world that's full of beauty and light and life and love. Just this week, I was walking home. And there was an old man being hassled by three teenagers. And so I went up, and I knew, and I knew this man because he comes to un, one of our services. And um, so I went up and said, what are you doing? What are you doing, guys? And they said, oh, he said something to us. And I said, well, how did it start? And then I talked to the old man. He's 70. And he said, well, I was just walking down the road. They said something to me, so I said something back. And then they hounded him all the way down Albert Road. He got on a bus, and they got on the bus after him. He got off the bus, they got off the bus after him. And they were just, like, hounding him all the way down the street. And in the end, we had to call the police, and the police had to come and tell them to just leave him alone. And I gave him a lift home, and they were still waiting at the end of the road, trying to get... So they could just annoy him. And I don't know whether they were going to actually do anything physical and beat him up or anything, but it's like... This is the world that we live in. There's so many broken relationships. There's so much brokenness around us, all around us. We need to see that and we need to look at the way that the world is going and just just recognize that there are two kingdoms at war, two kingdoms at battle. This passage says we have to make a choice. We have to love God or love the world. You can't do both. To use a a football metaphor, you can love Liverpool or Everton. You can love City or United. You could love Celtic or Rangers. But you couldn't say that I love Portsmouth and Southampton. (laughs) You have to make a choice. Before um, we came here, I was a curate in Southampton. Well, long before we came here, I was a curate in Southampton. And one uh, year, the Southampton Football Club gave us lots of old kit. And we had a full kit to take out to Africa, which was really lovely. So they are nice people. And then we also had some kit to sell for charity. So I bought a pair of Saints shorts. And they're very good quality. And occasionally, I might wear them to go out running. But if I do, I have to wear a Pompey top uh, <laughs> as well as my shorts. Because I was actually running along. And this man was walking towards me. And his head was down. And he looked up. And the badge is on the bottom of the shorts. And he saw it, and his face just went completely dark and black. And then he lifted his, and I have a Pompey crest on my shirt. And he saw the crest, and he went, ha-ha. And I went, (laughs) ha-ha. And it's like, that doesn't happen. But it does, you know, it doesn't, you have to make a choice. What are we going to choose? Light or dark? Good or evil? So John gives us three things that we need to avoid. Desires of the flesh, desires of our eyes, and the, and the pride in our own accomplishments. And we could sum these up as lust and envy and pride. And they're at the heart of our problems, the problems of the human heart. Lust and envy and pride separate us from God. They destroy our peace with God And this is the way that the world works. All of the money that's spent on advertising, I looked up how much in the UK is spent on advertising each year. 39.4 billion pounds is spent on advertising in the UK each year. Advertising works through these three things, lust and envy and pride. To spend that much amount of money, it must work, mustn't it? Jesus says, the world says that our identity is found in our deepest desires. Our desires control who we are. And our desires can only be met by what the world can offer. But Jesus says that our identity is found in relationship with him, in relationship with God. He makes sense of our existence. He gives us purpose and hope. The world says that we should follow our envy and our greed... Aspire, desire, and acquire. Those are the mottos of our world. But we're searching for love. The world offers us shiny stuff. Jesus shows us where true love can be found. And it's not at the checkout till. It's not in the special offer section. The world says that we're defined by what we possess or what we do. But God says that we're all inherently valuable and precious as his children. So don't get distracted. We must keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Jesus' attitudes to the world are the attitudes that we want to have. And Jesus faced these three things head on when he was tempted in the desert. The flesh was tempted by turning the, the rocks into bread and His envy was tested as he was shown all the kingdoms of the world that were under the devil's control. And then his pride was tested as the devil said, just throw yourself off the temple and the angel will come and scoop you up. Show everybody how special you are. Jesus resisted because Jesus loves the Father above all else. Although he's in the world... His path is determined by God's plans for him. Jesus loves the Father and he's always doing the will of the Father. This defines his life. He has no interest in the things of the world. When Jesus dies, he has no money, no possessions, no power. But he dies as the one and only perfect and pure and holy sacrifice that brings salvation to us all. In the end... The things of this world are passing away. And in the end, we are just passing through. And this was brought home to me this week because on Tuesday night of this week, my brother died suddenly. He was just two years older than me and he was watching telly, thought he had indigestion, turned out it was a massive heart attack. The ambulance got there, but he died before they could get him to hospital. One minute he was there, the next minute he was gone we are just passing through this world we're just passing through and I'm so grateful that God gave me a nudge about a month ago to go and see him for lunch because we don't meet up that often uh, we chose different lifestyles we were uh, very close being sort of close uh, as, as youngsters sort of pushed us apart and we went different ways and he lived in London and I just texted him and said, how about lunch next Tuesday? And often he's off doing lots of different things. But he said, yep, let's do lunch. You come up. I'll meet you under the clock at Waterloo Station. And we met and we went and had lunch and had a drink afterwards. And we just chatted. And it was just great to see him. And um, so special to have that memory to hold on to. And I'm sure that was given to me by God. God nudged me to go and see him. And to make sure we were at peace with one another. And now he's gone. And that's it. The things of this world are passing away. And we are just passing through. Since the news broke, I felt surrounded by the love of my family and the family of the church. And it's just been lovely, so lovely to get so many messages uh, that have helped me get through this. That's what we need in the end, isn't it? love to get us through life. The one who does the will of God lives forever. We're just passing through. This is life-changing advice. This is stuff that alters where we spend eternity. So we need to choose God. We need to choose the light and the life and the love. We need to turn away from the darkness and see the things of this world for what they are. They're just promises that never deliver. This is the way, if we follow Jesus, to find true freedom and true happiness. Jesus came to set us free. He came to set us free. Let's just pause and let's pray. And um, I want to just do something a, a, a bit strange, but I want you to close your eyes and I want you to focus on the seat that you're sitting on. So feel that seat that you're sitting on. And as you feel it, realize that it's gravity that is pushing you down onto that seat. And that force of gravity has been at work all through this service. But perhaps this is the first time that we've noticed it. And Lord, we know that the force of your love is sustaining us and this whole universe in every moment of its existence. And Lord, we're sorry that we don't recognize how precious your love is to us, how important it is to us. Lord, we pray that in this week ahead, in these months ahead, we would focus on your love. We would know your love in our lives. Know its power and its presence. Lord, be with us. And never leave us. Let your love be the firm foundation for all that we do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to stand and sing our next song that reminds us we're no longer slaves to fear because we are children of God. Let's stand.